Welcome back, everyone. This is day two with Pastor Patrick Boyle. I enjoyed the conversation we had on the previous subject of animosity and attacks that go on. And today we're going to talk about Bible and books. We kind of have an ABC uh, subject matter we're going to do. But Bible or books, when it comes to Bible prophecy and when it comes to anything, any doctrine we have, we all like to say, what we teach or what we preach came from the Bible, but are we sure it came from the Bible or is that something that was from a book about the Bible? And so I am not against uh, other books. I, you know, I think it's fine to read. I think it's fine to glean from others, but at the same time, a lot of times those books that people wrote about the Bible are just kind of given theories and speculation. And they, those things often get repeated so much that they end up turning into sound doctrine in people's minds. And then we end up finding ourselves fighting against these other books. And that's where I feel like we are at when it comes to the subject of eschatology, that I'm not, you know, I'm not arguing with the Bible. I'm arguing with Clarence Larkin. You know, I, I'm, I'm arguing with Schofield. That's what it feels like because of all these extra biblical things people are saying. And when you tell somebody sometimes these things aren't even in the Bible, they'll look at you like you have two heads and it's like, no, show me. And they can't show you. They'll show you a passage that's vague and it could be talking about something like that, but it's not clearly spelled out. And I know that was eye opening for me when I started um, when I wanted to teach people in our church the truth about the pre-tribulation rapture and all that. And I started like going to the scriptures to show where we get some of the things that we teach. And it's like, well, that's, that's not exactly what it says. And so when it comes to uh, books, all right, on, on prophecy, um, you know, do you have any books on prophecy that you would recommend or that you think would be helpful? Or would you say most of the ones you've read have probably made things more difficult for you? Well, Pastor Murphy, thank you for having me back. It's an honor to be here, and I'm excited about this podcast. Um, and this is a question, Bible versus books, that I can lend light on the pre-tribulational side because, you know, I went to Bible college, graduated from Landmark Baptist College, um, have a whole library of books. Um, and every book that I've ever read when it came to eschatology was from a pre-tribulational dispensational view. And for me, I did not realize, I was exactly guilty of what you just described, believing something, thinking it's coming from the Bible when it's actually the, the worldview is formed in a book and then I take that light and look at scripture and it makes it super clear to me because I have a worldview from a book that I had read. Well, so anyway, I owned just about every pre-tribulational book you could think of. And when I was uh, beginning to question, good friends would hand me pre-tribulational books from good authors, well-known authors, and they'll say things like, this really cleared it up for me. I encourage you to And to their surprise, I would say, I've already read that like four times. And they were kind of bewildered that I could read it and still be a little confused. And so what I learned from from that was when I was reading a pre-tribulational book, it made perfect sense 
it made sense to me. The narrative was there. I would read it, close the book and think it is abundantly clear. I don't see how anyone can't see it. But then, you know, fast forward a little bit of time and I'm reading my Bible and I would scratch my head once again, like, now what was that verse again? I can't remember. And I remember getting to a point where I, whenever I had my Bible open, I couldn't see the narrative. But when I had the books open to clarify, it was there again and the light would come back on. I'd say, oh, okay. Then I would go back. And this went on for a while. And um, I remember getting frustrated that I couldn't see it in scriptures on my own, that I needed a book. I needed someone. I still was not doubting the doctrine. I just was frustrated with myself that I couldn't get to the level of the author where I could read a verse and know what it was talking about or how I could prove that that was not our rapture, that was the Jews' rapture or whatever the narrative I was defending at that time. And I remember getting to the point where I didn't doubt the authors, I doubted my IQ. I remember honestly thinking that I'll never be smart enough to figure this out. These are some really smart people, and I just have to trust them. And that's a dangerous place to be. And it was then with that mindset that I began to realize that if, if the question of Bible or books, the answer for me would have been books. And I, I wasn't satisfied with that answer. Yeah, well, I agree. And I think one of the things that I've realized when people hand you that book, Here's here's what they've done, you know, and they re they read the book, but what most people don't do is they don't actually put that book under scrutiny. They'll read a book. It's like this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. This guy sounds really smart. I agree with what this guy says. And so whenever they get challenged, they'll often refer to that book to figure out what their position is supposed to be. I know of one church. They did a whole series on eschatology. And they literally had several of the staff men all teach one thing at a time on it. And it was and it was crystal clear they weren't even hiding it. Basically what they were all doing, I don't know which book it was exactly, they were all teaching from the same book. They just all got assigned different chapters. So their, you know, their teaching is going to line up with each other because they're all getting it from the same book. But just point by point, none of it was their own. They got it from a book. And uh, and so for me, you know, I if, if I'm invoking the big names when I've when I've started my church, nobody knows who they are. So that doesn't give me any credibility. I've got to show people from the Bible. And I know for myself, Matthew 24 was just the passage that confused the daylights out of me. And so when I started reading all these books and I mean, the amount of prophecy books I have in here almost all of them pre-trib I mean it's astounding and but nobody was consistent on that for some people it has nothing to do with the rapture other people it does have something to do with the rapture some people some of it's about the rapture some of it's not about the rapture but there was no consistency anywhere nobody was making sense and honestly all those books frustrated me greatly and, and so when I, when I say have there have been any prophecy books that helped me, well, uh, I think every book, you know, you end up learning something from it, you know, even if it wasn't what the author intended you to learn, you know. And But here's when books really started helping me out. The, the last pre-tribulation book that I read before I officially converted, I guess you could say, 
and I can't think of the name of the guy who wrote it. It's called Dispensationalism. Uh, I think the guy's from Florida. Uh, he, he's, he was a hardcore Ruckmanite. But I read that book, and it was so bad. I mean, it was just, it was like, that was going to be my final attempt. If this guy doesn't talk me off the ledge, nobody's going to. I had, a, I had several people recommend that book to me. Uh, I heard Sam Gipp himself even sold that book. Um, it was part of the Daystar publications. And I read that book, and it was awful. I mean, it was so bad. And I thought, if this is acceptable in the pre-tribulational world, then I am not a part of that world. Because he was teaching the multiple Gospels, you know, the difference between the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, all that foolishness. And so then once I was able to kind of put all that stuff out of my head and just go to the Bible, after that, every book, you could say, kind of helped me because even pre-tribulational books, because whenever I would read their arguments, not only was I able to correct where they were wrong, but when they would bring new arguments, I was I knew how to go to the scriptures and find the answer, and so it would actually strengthen me on that. And so, again, I'm not against reading other books. And sometimes, too, I've read things from people who are wrong, but they had like maybe one fact right, right that I had wrong. And so, you know, you can you can learn from everybody, but at the end of the day, people just have to study their Bibles, you know. And I know that's an easy thing to say, but um, you know, as far as you know, the the mainstream prophecy books out there uh, being helpful, I mean, I think dispensational truth is done more harm than just about anything. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that was probably required reading for you in Bible college. But and here's the thing yeah. about dispensational truth. You'll have preachers say, oh, I never read Dispensational Truth. Yeah, but every book has been influenced on prophecy. Mm-hmm. It has been influenced by Dispensational Truth. Did you yeah, ever so read the that problem one? I have, I did, and the problem I have with um, with books, let me start off first. Our circle, we, we have what we are like produced anti-books. We don't read books. We don't read charts. Blah. But then they refer you to a sermon preached by a pastor, mm-hmm. which is the same thing. If it's an audible sermon or if it's a written sermon, who cares? Or a You're documentary. You're still pointing back to a, or a documentary, mm-hmm. right. So I think let's just get that off the table. It's okay to learn from people, and it's okay to have people influence you in your, in your, in your journey for trying to figure out uh, biblical truth. Uh, we all have that. None of us got saved by reading the Bible all by ourselves. And we just came to truth. No, God sent a soul winner to preach the gospel to us. And we were from faith to faith were saved. And the same thing in teaching. Um, but the the thing that began to question my mind, you know, as far as dispensational truth was, I remember thinking like how clear it is, you know, clear it is in the, in the, in the book that's been given. But then I remember thinking, like, how do they come up with seven dispensations? Where does that number come from? As clear as they make it out to be, I remember scratching my head saying, how come I didn't see that until I read this book? And that's what I began asking, still in the pre-trip dispensational camp, but I began asking questions like, if I handed a highlighter to a, a fifth grader and I handed them my King James Bible, would they have seven categories in their Bible? Would they evenly divide it up the same way everyone else is? Or would, if you gave it to 10 different people and said, find, find the dispensational changes, I think outside of any book or chart, you would have 10 different 
answers and no consistency whatsoever. And, it, and what they say is abundantly clear is not, but that just goes back to the, the topic of this podcast, and that is book survival. The books are influencing us to look for seven, therefore we find seven. The books are influencing us that it's pre-tribulational because we know God's not going to put uh, send us through wrath. That's their line, which we would agree with that statement, but that's not how they, they portray it. They'll say, oh, oh we know out and we know that no was taken out and we know that God cannot deal with the Jews until he's got the church removed and they'll make those statements and then they affect our our filtering process when we open up our Bibles and so what is a good practice uh, to ask yourself if you believe something based on a book or something based on the Bible would be what I did uh, back in 2000, I'm going to guess eight, maybe a little earlier, uh, where I began to read the Bible and I said, Lord, I want to see it for myself. If it's pre-tribulational, I want to know that. If it's not, and at that time I didn't know any other options, I just wanted to know truth. And it was kind of scary to read scripture without any foundation. I don't want anyone shaping my opinion. I just want to read Revelation based on what Revelation says. And what, what I found was there was a lot that I had predetermined based on books that I had read. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, I, was, yeah, I was right there at one time. And, you know, uh, one book that I think is helpful uh, when it comes to a lot of that stuff, you know, do a little plug for Pastor Matt versus which one is right book. The thing I like about that book is he it really challenges you to wait are you actually going off what the king james bible says because there is there's there's what the bible actually says and then there's what people are saying that it says that's completely different and it just really gets you uh asking yourself that question am i getting my doctrine from the text or am i going to the text trying to find my doctrine it's kind of like people who find a lot of the nephilim and gap theory stuff in there if you go into the Bible looking for proof of something that you have already decided exists, you know, if you if you believe in flying unicorns, you know, that are horses with a horn coming out of their head, you know, you can find the word unicorn in the Bible and then there, boom, there's your proof. But uh, at the same time, is the Bible teaching about a flying horse with a, horn, you know, a single horn coming out of his head? No, it's not. And it's and so I'm afraid what people are doing with a lot of these books is they are they had a predetermined outcome in their study and then they they write these things that kind of help you put it all into place and if i may do a, an anti-plug for a book um this one holy ground by bill grady <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you how far i got into this one so you can kind of see i made it all the way to the dedication and and listen, listen what he said in the dedication <laughs> This book is dedicated to Almighty Jehovah for his future bride, Israel. Okay, so, I mean, he's flat. This, he, he teaches that the, uh, God has a bride and Jesus has a bride. Jesus' bride is the church. God's bride is Israel. And, and then, here's the best part about it. He puts Hosea 2.19, And I will betroth thee unto thee forever, Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and loving kindness and in mercy. And what the great thing is about that, the Apostle Paul quotes Hosea 
talking about the church. <laughs> and so I was like, when I read that, I'm like, and this is a thick book. Like, I'm not reading all that. He, he can't even get the bride right. And so, I mean, the, the things that people come up with and, you know, this book, uh, as among some of these other Ruckmanite books I've, I've read, especially the Ruckmanites are real bad. It shows how people, how far people will go to just defend a, that doctrine they've locked themselves into. They, and they will not allow themselves to be corrected by scripture, no matter how much you show them. Right. And, and I am thankful that, you know, there are, uh, I talk about this on Tuesday's program a little bit, uh, but there are preachers out there that are, are really trying hard to be honest on the subject. And so um, because they've listened to us, we have taken away a lot of scriptures from them. And they, you know, their proofs are narrowing more and more and more all the time. Uh, and, and they, and so the thing is, um, but you know, at the same time though, they're just still not willing to move from that position because they are, they are locked in, even though they're losing more and more all the time. And so the, the, the books that are coming out by the honest guys, I'm probably going to be doing some book reviews in the future by what I would consider uh, good pre-trivers that aren't heretics, but I'm going to show where they're still coming very short. And um, I, it's, it's, it's very telling. That's why we just got to keep plugging away and just kind of chipping away at all this bad doctrine. But, you know, I want to talk well, about this. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say on adding that to the books and, and things, whenever uh, I began to publicly start uh, admitting that I was leaning post-trib, uh, many pre-tribulational pastors and missionary friends, the first question that they would begin to ask is, who have you been reading? Mm -hmm. What books are you reading? As if the only way to develop eschatology is by reading a book, which without realizing it, they're telling on themselves that they have developed their view by reading their books. And frankly, you know, as they're handing me one more new pre-tribulational book, I'm like, I've already got that book. Well, well, who are you reading? And, you know, I've never read a post-tribulational book. I don't know any authors that would do it. You know, I, I do have which one is right, but that's far after I developed, you know, my, my, my post-tribulational view. And I just, I didn't have any authors to point them to. And they found it very hard to believe that you could develop it only through scripture. I had a, a pastor friend uh, just this past week ask me, he said, now outside of the Bible, what is it that influenced you to be post-trip? What book was it? And I said, I don't have an answer. It was the Bible. Like I don't, there's nothing I can tell you. I, it was the Bible. And asking the Revelation 79 is questioning all these different things. No, no, I mean like, but what was it influential in your life that create like it, there's no way it organically happened is basically how he's concluded, but it is true. And so it, it, when you read scripture for face value, it's going to say you're, there's truth there, but if you're reading it from the perspective of a book, it's going to alter your perception. Let me give you an example. Revelation four, revelation four, one is the rapture verse for all pre-tribulational. Pre but if you did not know that, you would read through Revelation 1, 2, 3, all the way to 4, and somebody would stop you and say, hey, did you see the rapture? You just missed it. Uh, no, I, where was it? 
I don't know where it's at. And they would tell you, oh, no, it's Revelation 4.1. See it right there? And it's not there. Let me read to you Revelation 4.1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee the things which must be hereafter. That's their rapture. Now, to show how much I subscribe to it, I even have the Bible on my shelf right over here. And at chapter four, verse one, I draw a big red arrow and I write rapture. And the reason I did that was back in my college days, I could never remember where it was. And it bothered, it bothered me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I wrote the word rapture in there so that I would remember that's where it's happening because I couldn't see it for myself. Now I, I didn't doubt it. I subscribed hundred percent to it and I didn't want to lose that from my memory. So I wrote it in my own Bible, but that just shows you it's not there. They have to tell you it's there. And that's the danger of, of developing your eschatology from a book versus enhancing your eschatology from. Yeah, they're adding to, but when the book is setting the structure and then you go to scripture to fill it, that's when you're in error. And I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But, you know, I would encourage the listeners, if you're not sure where the rapture is, just start reading. By the time you get to chapter seven, you're going to say, OK, hold on. I found it. There's a great multitude. No man can number of every kindred, tribes, tongue and people. They're showing up in heaven. That must be the rapture. And then they're going to say what? Oh, no. Read my book. I'll prove you. I got three chapters by that rapture. But that's what it says. Well, I'm going to give you a book with three chapters on why it cannot be a rapture. And therefore... That's when we know books are actually influencing. They're talking us into a rapture in chapter four. Then they talk us out of a rapture in chapter seven. That's true. And it's funny because that question people ask too uh, about what influenced you to become post-trip because it's always got to be a person. Cause, and, and, and they think that because they're following a man too. But what, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention their names right now. I've made a pledge that if, if I mention your name, you're invited on the program, which I am going to invite this uh, mm. person on the program. Uh, I don't think he'll want to come, but I'm, I'm going to invite him. But it was pre-tribbers. It was pre-tribbers that influenced me to become post-trib because um, there were certain ones that I saw as like these prophecy gurus that just had all the answers. But then I went and I would, you know, when I started pastoring and I went to go um, teach these things myself. You know, I couldn't just like read a transcript of their sermon. So I had to go to those scriptures and study them for myself. And I'm looking and it's like, that's not what the Bible says. And I think the first, you know, the first layer of the onion, I don't know, the first thread I began to pull, um, was the idea that the budding of the fig tree was Israel becoming a nation in 1948. And, I'm telling you, that was just like, that did not make sense to me. I'm like, this does not make sense. And then one of the biggest proofs that people were using that blew my mind was that 1948 years, if you add up the numbers from creation to the birth of Abraham, it's 1948 years. And that just happens to be when Israel became a nation in 1948. Well, the problem is I went and I did my own math on that, and it's actually... 2008. So uh, they're not even right about that. 
and that's provable too. It's an actually an easy mistake to get the 1948. It's it's a very honest mistake if you and I originally had that. I've got a Bible where I have it all written out in there. And if you go look when he gets to Abraham, I have 1948. But then later, you'll notice all the ones after that crossed off and 60 years added to it because I found out where I was making a mistake and I won't go into that. But I'm just like this is this is wrong. And here's the thing, I would talk to people about that and they would get furious at me. People were furious because I not even I wasn't even questioning the rebirth of Israel. Just that Matthew 24, I questioned whether or not that was referring to that. And you know, and and that was kind of that was kind of the first thing, but then I got sidetracked on it because I decided to go plant a church and you know, I just I moved on. But then later when I started trying to preach prophecy, you know, then you kind of revisit those things. And I was just, and I'm listening to the pre-tribbers. I'm reading their books. And it's like, none of this makes sense. This is wrong. This is wrong. And it's like they had so much stuff that I was proving wrong while trying to prove it right. That I'm just like, you know, maybe I should start looking into some of these. other. Maybe it's just not pre-trib. And that was a you know, that was a tough pill to swallow, but my big influencers were pre-tribbers. Yeah, I'll I'll say the same thing. Um, you know, oftentimes where you're coming from does kind of affect the outcome. In other words, if I hated the pre-trib doctrine and I hated that worldview, and I was going to set out to disprove it, I wouldn't have as much credibility. I wouldn't think. I to it. I believed it. I loved it. I admired the teachers, and then I slowly realized that okay, maybe I'm wrong. And that's really my journey. That's really your journey, and that is that we subscribe. We own the books. Our libraries are full of those books. We've read those books, and it was through genuine study and questions that we began to ask that we weren't satisfied with the answers. And I would write the answer in my Bible because I heard them loud and clear, but I just didn't see it. And I wrote it there so I wouldn't lose that spot. But slowly but surely, we began to realize I'm, I'm, I'm building my doctrine based on a time frame built outside of Scripture. And then I have to interpret Scripture through that lens. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Um, and so I think if anyone is credible uh, on the subject, it'd be someone that's coming from it from the inside out rather than from the outside going in. Um, not that either one makes any, it doesn't make us right, but it's just in my heart, I know how much I love still to this day, my pastor and those that influenced me and how much I admired their biblical knowledge and worldview and how I, wa I wanted to be them. And through that desire, I came to where I am today. So I know, you know, I may not convince anybody else, but I know in my heart, I'm not here today out of hatred for anyone. I'm not here today uh, just because I want to be the opposite of what someone that I knew growing up was. Uh, I came here genuinely searching for truth. And if I'm wrong, I will continue down the journey of, I want to be biblically correct more than I want to be right in the argument. And so that's kind of where I landed. And it was based based entirely on this subject. When I had to ask myself, am I trusting in a book or am I trusting in my 
outside of a book, I never find seven dispensations. Outside of a book, I would not know Revelation 4 was a rapture. Outside of a book, I would not know Revelation 7 was not our rapture. I would say, wow, it looks like that's where we get taken out. Um, and so books do play a major part in forming opinions before you read Scripture. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about how people often tell you, too, you know, have you read this book? You know, this will help you. Where I know myself, I'm always telling other preachers, hey, go study this portion of Scripture, this part of the Bible. Um, You know, Matt first, he had it right when he said, you know, who is Israel? That's like the thing you got to get figured out if you're going to if we're going to figure out all the other stuff. So when it comes to the subject of Israel, I'm always telling people, hey, go do a deep dive in the book of Hebrews. You know, go really study out the book of Hebrews. Uh, Another study that I've encouraged some preachers to do, go study the triumphal entry. Of, of Christ go read all go back and read all the prophecies that are referenced that he fulfilled there's a bunch and when you go back and you read all those Old Testament prophecies it gives you a fuller understanding of why Jesus was uh, what he was doing at that triumphal entry and what it meant when he told Israel the kingdom's going to be taken from you and given to another nation. Most people have not studied that. And when you when you study those things that are all in the Bible, I'm saying, you know, then it makes everything clear. And, you know, we don't and we don't even need a book about it. I've often thought, you know, if I wrote a book kind of explaining the differences between the Old Testament, and the New Testament, how would I do it? And then I'm just like, I think we already have that book. It's called Hebrews, you know, and that's, that's what people need to get a hold of. But, you know. So, and while obviously no book is inspired, and I don't think they're wrong to read, but you know, when it comes to chewing up the meat and spitting out the bones, as people often say, I think the key to being able to do that is you need to have a fundamental knowledge of the subject and those scriptures already. I think if you start out by reading a book, it's probably going to do more to mess you up. And, it, and too many people... If they decide, you know, I want to learn about the book of Hebrews or whatever, the first thing they're going to do is go read a book about it. And the problem is you're going to be reading an uninspired source from a flawed individual. I would think it would be good for you to get well-versed on the inspired source from the individual who was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he wrote it. Then after you have a, a strong knowledge, then you can go back and read that book and you'll have the ability to see where uh, maybe they go wrong, see the things they have right, uh, you know, because because you're not going to have everything right yourself. But, you, you know, they may, might correct some things that you had wrong. And so, I, you know, I think when it comes to chewing up the meat and spitting out the bones, you have to have a, a fundamental knowledge of that passage yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and evidence, like you had said a little while ago, that books are forming our opinion um, and scripture then becomes invalid. Because it's like, well, we'll show you the Bible verse, but they're going to quote a book. And I I would go back to Revelation 4.1 where you'll say there's no writer. And then someone who's read all the pre-trip books are like, it's clear. It's right here. I don't see why you don't see it. And you're sitting there scratching your head like there is no rapture. Now, this is what I try to get most pre-tribbers to at least admit to. There's no rapture here. But that's when we believe it happens. Mm-hmm. If I can at least get them to go there, we're 
making headway because there is no rapture in Revelation 4.1. All you have is one individual in the spirit being taken up to see future events, not an entire uh, population of saved people, dead in Christ rising. And so if you can at least get them to admit that it helps, in a, it puts a little crack in their, in their armor saying, okay, now wait a minute. There isn't a rapture here, but this is when I believe it happens. Well, why do you believe it happens here? Well, because it's clear. No, why? What verse are you going to point to to tell you that it happens here? And you know what you're going to find? It's a book. Well, the church isn't mentioned, and we know God has to go back to the Jews. And we, How do we know this? Where does it say that? And then you just start asking those kind of questions, and you're going to Scripture, and you're letting Scripture help you. It will revolutionize your Bible study when you just let Scripture be Scripture. It is the authority, and let the let the Scriptures generate the questions. And it will not. And I realized I was being deceived by and my opinions, whether I realized it or not. Because back in the day, if you'd have asked me, books or Bible, I would have said Bible, definitely Bible. I, you know, I read books, but I, but I, I was made aware, like you know, my 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 biblical views were shaped and are shaped by the books. So that's why I can see a rapture in chapter four is because all the books that I have. So I would just encourage people to really, you know, look inwardly and are the dispensations that clear? If so, you get your highlighter out and figure it out without Larkin's chart, without your dispensational truth book. And, and you know what you're going to find? Hmm. I wonder where those dispensations are. <laughs> mm. And you're going to have to go get the book to find it. And when you read your book, it's there. So books do play a big role in both those doctrines in the world, you know, eschatology and also in dispensationalism. What, what are your thoughts on study Bibles? So uh, I don't personally care for them uh, only because uh, I've never used them. I've never really read commentaries. I, I'm, I'll take, you know, your statement. There's nothing wrong with them. Eat the meat, spit the bones. Just like as pastor of a Bible Baptist church, I refuse to make our church on an island that only people who believe exactly like the, us on everything can, be a, can come and preach at our church. I tell my church, if our doctrine is so shallow that someone comes through and misspeaks and all of a sudden half the church falls off and starts following them, then we really weren't that solid to begin with. So, you know, even when it comes to preaching in a, a, a book in an audible form is what preaching is, is someone's opinions being preached verbally versus written. You eat the meat and spit the bones. And if someone gets up and mentions, you know, hell is separation from God, we don't turn the preacher completely off for the rest of the sermon because he said that hell is separation from God. We just say, okay, yeah, he's a little mixed up on that. And then the Lord will use him to teach something, whatever it is, the subject, and you receive it with readiness of heart. So study Bibles, I personally don't like because people will oftentimes hold the notes higher than they would if they opened up a commentary, realizing I'm reading Matthew Henry. These are Matthew Henry's thoughts. Whereas if they have a study Bible, it's almost like scripture lending light to scripture in their mind. And that for that reason, I don't care for them. Right. Yeah. I said, I, I can't go as far as saying they're evil. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've, I've got some real problems with Schofield. We could talk, we're not going to take time to talk about him, but I, I tell pastors all the time, Hey, if you're teaching 
that the restrainer in Second Thessalonians 2 is the Holy Spirit, you've been influenced by Schofield. And even if you didn't read his notes, the book that you read that told you that got it from Schofield's notes. And I'm actually probably going to be making a video about that. I think I actually have a pretty good grasp on that. Uh, I just got to get a little more proof. But again, there's, uh, you know, it, I, I like you mentioned, too, how what pre-trippers need to do with Revelation 4 is say, you know, this is what I, be I believe this is referring to the rapture, you know, based on you know, my timeline of events. And I've been trying to do that. And I've, I've done that recently when people have asked me about different questions. If it's not super clear, I'll say this is my opinion, assuming I am right about another opinion that I have, you know, and uh, because sometimes some things aren't as, you know, clear as we'd like them to be. And I don't want to lead people away from something that's biblical. I don't mind leading them away from something that's in a book or something that's my opinion. If they're seeing something in the Bible that's leading them away from that, then they need to go away from that. So we just got to learn to distinguish those things. But I want to close with this. Though, because while I don't think it's wrong for us to glean from the work of others, and obviously we have all been taught, men teach, you know, men taught us. That's how God uh, planned for things to be. But I do believe we should never neglect our personal responsibility to rightly divide. People often, when they talk about rightly dividing, they think that means you got to figure out the seven dispensations. But no, when you when you read 2 Timothy 2, it's all about preserving good doctrine. And Paul's telling Timothy to basically put in the work. And I'm afraid a lot of these books, people are going to them trying to let someone else do the work for them. And you just can't do that. You, there, you cannot rightly divide the scriptures if you have not put in the time yourself, put in the work, put in the labor. I know for myself, by the time I'd started pastoring, I had I had read through the Bible, you know, probably close, to, I think around 20 times I had I had read through the Bible. Um, and, and, and but then when I came, when I started uh, shifting my uh, thinking on eschatology purposefully, I read through the Bible three times just to, you know, looking for things you know, just paying a little more attention to all things end times to make sure I wasn't missing anything. I read through the Bible three times just trying to check up on myself before I de even declared myself post-trib. And where it's a lot of people out there today that are real mouthy about these subjects, you know, because they learn these things from somebody else, they haven't even read through the Bible yet. And they're ready to break fellowship and leave churches, you know, over these things. I think that's ridiculous. But, you know, what are your thoughts about just the importance of rightly dividing? And what are some things that you think people just need to do, uh, you know, to show themselves approved, I guess? Right. I, a great question. And this is where I found myself guilty of, you know, early on was following the man and the books and not aware that that was what was happening <clears throat> until I started rightly dividing. And so I started studying to show myself approved that I began to realize that I was not as, as uh, in depth in my Bible as I might think I was. But as I began to develop uh, my world time, my in, uh, time events and things of that sort, and my shift from pre-trib to post-trib, 
a lot of the friends that begin to attack and even distance themselves, as we discussed in the last episode, what I found was something very similar to what you said. Here I am reading my Bible day and night, working up all the other books are set aside in my Bible. It's late at night, the midnight oil's being burnt, and I'm just, I'm just gleaning so much from my Bible. And I look up and, you know, and I go share with what I've studied. And you have these people who are ready to tar and feather you, but then they'll say something like, now I've never personally studied it out myself, but we know you're wrong. You're like, you're about to break fellowship with me after I've been in depth study. You're just going to go ahead and trust all those that have come before you. And so I found that to be more often than not, that the majority of those that are willing to break fellowship over these issues have never studied it out for themselves. Uh, just most recently, a couple pastors were, you know, try, inquisitive of our of our belief, and even potentially will be hosting Soldi Marathons for them. Uh, but the same thing, like, man, I, I really don't see it from chronically. I've never studied it out for myself, and I'm thinking, how do we have hardline views on topics we've never studied? And so I would, I think it's a great a great thought and that is rightly divide. If you're listening to this and you say, we're just dead wrong. It's so clear. I don't know why they can't get it. I would encourage you close the books. And if revelation four one's a rapture, prove it, prove it with scripture. And, you know, and then you revelation chapter seven, you don't need a book to tell you that is a rapture. That is a rapture. Revelation chapter seven is a rapture. And it'll say, well, it's not our rapture. Well, let's prove that through scripture. And I think what you'll find is it's not as easy as you might think and that you have been influenced by books. So rightly dividing is going to be your key. Get your Bible out and get some pens. Start writing things down. Shut the Internet off. Turn, Close your commentary books and just you and the Lord. And you might find yourself just like I was, just like Pastor McMurtry, when you when you get you look up from your Bible and you start to realize, maybe I've been wrong all along. And when the light bulb comes on, boy, it's worth it. It's blessed is he that readeth and understandeth these prophecies. Amen. Well, a lot of good stuff there. And I do want to close with this because, um, you know, when you were talking about all those who admit that they haven't studied it out. And one of the things that happens in the preacher world, and I'm just going to share this because I know a lot of preachers who will probably hear this have experienced this. But people don't understand the power and the influence a group of preachers at a preacher's fellowship sitting around a table, eating a meal, talking about Pastor Boyle and him going off the deep end and getting all mixed up on eschatology, running with the wrong crowd, blah, blah, blah. And when you are a young preacher and you hear that from men that you respect, men you've been taught to look up to, admire, that you have probably put an unhealthy amount of energy into trying to please, that kind of thing is very powerful and very influential. And, you know, I think it's kind of lame that preachers use that, uh, that power they have like that. You know, I would mm-hmm. rather influence people not through intimidation, but through information, you know, and I'd like to show, you know, share scriptures. But intimidation is a big thing. And that's why you're going to continue to hear preachers at conferences throwing jabs at them post-tribbers or the mid-tribbers as they always want to call them. You're going to hear those jabs, but you're not going to hear them expound on anything. They're intimidating you. They're scaring you. 
They say they mention them mid tribbers, and mm-hmm. then you hear all the men in the background, hey, man. And it's like, man, you know, nobody wants to be the negative illustration in the preacher's conference. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, you know, it's kind of liberating. It really is. You know, it, it's just it's kind of liberating to just be free of the politics and to not have to worry about that stuff. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there nothing can be being able to go to your pulpit with a clear conscience and to be able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit yeah. and to read your Bible and to know I can let this book guide me and I don't need to fear what man has to say. And so uh, let that Bible be your guide. Uh, don't just go along with what me and Pastor Boyle says because you like us and you want to be in our club. You know, we don't even have a club and, uh, you know, it's at the end, at the end of the day, yeah. if we had a club, you probably wouldn't want to be in it, <laughs> but you just probably get a whole lot of grief. I've gotten a lot of grief because of pastor Boyle. Remember the, you know, in 2018, I took most of the grief for your conference <laughs> that you had, but that's no. okay. Uh, it, it, it was worth it. But anyway, well, Hey, I appreciate everyone. Yeah. Well, I- good. I was just going to say information versus our intimidation versus information. If we're doing the ABCs, that'll be episode nine. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be to the letter I by the time we get to number nine. <laughs> That's but right. Fear of man, bring it forth a snare. That and would have been a good top- topic. Who cares what camp it Mm -hmm. Yeah, information versus intimidation. That would have been a good topic. But we did A, A, animosity and attacks. Today was Bible or books. Tomorrow, join us as we talk about courtesy without compromise. So God bless you. Thank you for watching us. We'll see you all tomorrow.